0: Whatever you're trying to do doesn't have an easy scrappy way to just like see if it can work or not. It's probably not a good first like, first thing to start. You know, don't don't think you're gonna go raise ten million dollars and start the next billion dollar company when you're seventeen. Like start small, like if it doesn't work, you're gonna learn from it.
1: Welcome back to Short Story Long. This week We're sitting down with the founders of Movement Watches, Jake and Kramer. These guys are 26-year-old founders um, of Movement Watches, which is a very young four- or five-year-old company already doing $80 million in revenue. And this week I I sat with these guys and I really just dug into their high school stories, uh, what they were like as kids, what their childhood was like, how they started sort of messing around with the idea of starting different businesses and these little hustles and these little things in high school that kind of got their feet wet and then going off to college um, both of them dropping out early meeting each other in college and coming up with the idea for movement watches while they were working for ballet parking cars in Santa Barbara then they decided to quit and uh Give it a shot. And now they have turned Movement Watches into an $80 million company. So needless to say, this week is a really good episode. Um, It was really good to be able to sit with these guys and talk about the details of how they did what they did. And also we got into a little bit of chatting of just social media marketing and influencer marketing and some really hot topics right now that a lot of people are talking about and their opinion on them as well as some of mine. Um, But we both think very... Similarly, on on these things. So that's it. Um, As always, leave me some positive feedback on the iTunes store or the podcast app on your phone. Use the promo code SSL on youngandreckless.com to get 50% no, 40% off all full price items. And here we go. Short story long, the founders of movement watches. This is a good one.
0: Hardest part is figuring out what you want to master. Focus on your product.
1: Can you tell somebody that they suck?
0: You gotta just go. This is exactly what I want to do for a
1: living. You can't even tell somebody that their breath stinks. You know what I mean?
2: It could take your whole life, and then you find your worth. The product is number one. If it scares you, you should probably do it. Good content
0: is good content. That is the coolest shit I have ever seen in my life.
1: All right, we're back. Short story long, with Jake. And Kramer from Movement Watches. I'm really excited about this one. I've uh, I've been trying to make this one happen for a while. I know we all have. We're all very busy guys. And you guys are just really young, like young hustler, the epitome of figuring out how to really build your own business and do this your own way using technology and your own brain power and resources and like you're it, at least in my head, all wrapped up into one. That's exactly what you guys represent, and that's why I'm really excited because I think it's perfect for this audience. So thank you both for uh, coming and making this happen. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man, thank you. Long
2: long overdue. We've been trying to make this happen for yeah. like a while now.
1: Yeah, we've been running into each other, and um, it's just tough when you're young men out here trying to grind. Totally. Yeah, I
2: get it. We're we're on the west side too, and in, in uh, Playa Vista, so that, that that might as well be that, another country. That four hundred five traffic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just we just don't want to do it. Yep,
1: I don't blame you at all. <laughs> um, so let's get into it, man. Let's um, I know that you guys we just talked about you guys grew up separately, so I don't want to spend too much time like separately going through childhood stories, but in general, um, uh, Jake, what where are you from, and, and what was childhood kind of like? yeah so i'm from valencia
2: california which is about an hour north from from la here and uh my childhood was good but i hated high school i hated school what Uh, type of
1: shit were you into
2: i played soccer um and other than that i I hated school so i I, anything but school I, i played soccer and um i actually hurt my knee my junior year and that got me into uh like playing around with a, a business idea because yeah. i was injured i couldn't play soccer i was in kind of like rehab mode and um so i started this t-shirt business and that, and that was of, in high school that was in high school that was like 17 years old um Crazy. yeah i mean i can jump into that story i don't know how, how deep you want me to yeah go. i mean i
1: just i'm gonna i want to kind of try to cover yours relatively quickly and then cover kramer's and then kind of combine yeah. stories right Does yeah, that yeah, seem yeah, normal? Yeah, yeah that's fine Cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. What was it? So but can I ask you this first? Did you think that you were gonna be like a sports star in high school? Like, was sports a dream for you or not? You didn't. Really I was. Know? I was evaluating everything and anything. Yeah. Uh, sports, although I, I wasn't that athletic,
2: so I knew pretty quickly that wasn't gonna be it. Got but it. Uh, I wanted I wanted to to be successful in whatever I did. Yeah. So I I looked at myself and I said, okay, so I'm I'm not gonna be the best soccer player. Yep. So quickly decided that wasn't gonna be it for me. But yep. I was thinking real estate. Um, I was looking for any opportunity to to, to be successful and, and you know make the kind of money I wanted to to make, live the the life I wanted to live. Uh, so I, I hurt my knee. I was on eBay. I was searching cool products somehow. I don't I don't know how I got there, but there's these light up T shirts. Yep. Sound activated. I remember Look. from like the kiosk in the yeah mall. exactly yeah exactly. So yeah, uh like Third Street Promenade or um, Universal Studios had them, and. I found them. I bought one online and I got it. And it was like, it was the coolest thing I had seen at the time. So I went up to my dad. I said, Dad, can you loan me a couple thousand dollars? I want to buy 200 of these. I found a supplier in uh, China. He said, Sure, but if you don't sell them, I get your car and I get to sell the car, et cetera. I figured, all right. You said deal? I figured deal. There's no way I'm going to, I'm going to like go over summer without selling 200. Oh, man. Talk about early, like, entrepreneur uh, confident it was like a loan from the bank that yeah you just didn't want to start paying interest on so yeah uh so i went so i got the shirts and i went to third street promenade i didn't even have my license at the time yet it was my friend who drove me down there yeah and the shirts pretty much sold themselves i mean they were lighting up i'd go and like clap and walk up to people and i'd have people walking up to me and sure enough i people like how much I didn't even think about how much I wanted to sell it for. So I had 35 bucks and then I'd make deals for you know three for 100 or whatever it was. And I went every single weekend for uh, summer and and sold 200 shirts. And then when I was there, people started asking me, hey, uh, how do I buy these online? What's your website? I didn't have a website. Mm -hmm. So then I figured, okay, I gotta start an e-commerce store, start an e-commerce store, and uh, that turned in, I actually made a viral video and started doing uh, ten, fifteen thousand dollars of light-up T-shirts a week, uh, for a couple weeks, at, like sixteen, seventeen years old.
1: Do you think all those skills were like just instinctual? Because you didn't. I mean, like, where did you get this weird sort of business instincts? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think you just went to the next step, the next step, the next step. It
2: was. It was relevant. I think it was to some degree. It was like it was street being street smart and just yep. problem solving. You know, like people wanted to buy online, so I figured, um, it was It was also like, I would, I would I would try and fail at certain things. So yeah. I'd try one thing and it went, wouldn't work, and uh, so I tried the website, I, I opened it, I didn't have anyone coming to the site to buy anything, so I said, okay, I need traffic. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, uh, going through the steps and trying to figure out what didn't work
1: versus what did work. So yeah. maybe that's instinctual, I'm not sure. It's amazing how much like, I feel like that's still the battle like today, right? At least with us, like, you it's that basic like here's what i need here's my best idea of how to get it let's give it a shot yeah you know what i mean yeah, And like totally. that basic sort of uh plan of action is still relevant in what we do today no everything yeah. um what was the video is a youtube video it
2: was so it was right when kanye west released love lockdown he yeah. did a uh mtv music award live performance and i happened to have my uh, a camcorder connected to the TV, uh-huh. recorded the first 15 seconds, and went and created a, a six-second clip of him. Very, This was clickbaity before clickbaity existed. <laughs> yeah. And I had six seconds of him, and then cut to me with my shirt. And I was just like, hey guys, this is Jake, by my shirt. Oh, and it lit man. up the sound. And I got I mean, you know you too, how, how mean people can be on YouTube. Yeah. The worst comments about me and just everything. They hated me. But Holy shit. it got I did like three or four of them. I did a too. I did a bunch of them and there was like I probably got like two or three million hits. This is back this was yeah, almost ten years ago now. Oh. Um and I just started selling T shirts. And I think at the time also I got lucky because Kanye wore a, a light up heart. Uh-huh. on his during that performance mm-hmm. and it was like his I think he did some type of glow-in-the-dark tour or something yeah so it just it, it, it worked perfectly like I did one with Adele it didn't really work no one cared about light up t-shirts Kanye <laughs> yeah. worked at the time yeah so um how funny and yeah. then what you just put the link to your site just a... link to the site people went to the site and I just would come home every day uh, I would I would actually leave my last class early and come home and just spend the next few hours just like packaging and, and shipping stuff and answering emails and um and yeah so it was just
1: Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I think, like, Soldier Boy used to... Uh, did you ever hear that story where, like, on Napster or whatever, he used to label his songs as, like, 50 Cent and, oh, like, really? massive songs so that people would accidentally listen to early Soldier yeah. Boy songs? Yeah, It's, like, a it's a very big strategy, I guess. Yeah, that, it's, it's kind of like the
2: growth hacky... The you know, trick or Yeah, exactly. It's the growth hacky that that's how you get started when you're young. Is, yeah. There's all these little nuggets of things that big companies, even at our size, right? Like, I don't yeah. consider us huge, but, like, our, you know, our size businesses where uh we don't have the time to invest resources there yeah and that's you can take advantage of that
1: and, yeah and start that so yeah that's huge um did were you affected at all by the comments like did it hurt your no not really it was, uh pretty uh pretty tough yeah tough skin I mean, yeah just laugh at i it just but, think that's a big thing man i think it's something that comes up a lot like not only with the people i interview but also young people like the comments really like hurt people's spirit really you know it's like a real problem yeah i mean it was for for me it was
2: easy because i didn't know who these people were it wasn't like a facebook like bowling type of situation it was just kind of strangers who hated me for (laughs) the clickbaity and i knew i was doing and honestly if i wasn't selling anything i'd probably be like sorry guys but yeah i was making money yeah i guess you uh, knew what you were doing
1: yeah i wasn't hurting anyone that's funny um kramer let's run through your story real quick what uh where are you from
0: uh, so I grew up in like Encinitas, okay. San Diego, nice, uh, like North County. Um, growing up, pretty typical SoCal kid. Yeah. Uh, surf, skated, played sports. Uh, older brother, older sister. Yeah. Um, I think I think something that Jake and I both kind of have in common growing up is we always kind of look for opportunities. Yeah, I think we we're always. We always kind of, like, for me, for example, like, I always wanted a pet, I always wanted, like, a scooter. I always wanted a dirt bike. Yeah. Like, my parents weren't going to buy it for me. Yeah. And being, you know, 14, 15 years old, like, you know, I wasn't going to go get a job. So it's just kind of, you know, what whenever whenever we could see opportunity to make a little bit of money, I think we've always, both of us have always, like, been uh, just anxious to, to go for it. Yeah. Because we yeah. don't really have another route to do. Yeah. You know, to go. Um, so I one of the first kind of, things that I did was my sister got her her car tinted at our house like a mm-hmm. mobile a mobile window tinner came and tinted her car yeah and i think she paid the guy like 200 and some bucks and i watched the guy do it like i was always very hands on like loved doing stuff when i was a kid so yeah. i watched the guy do it um, and it took him like i don't know 2 hours got paid 200 bucks just all the supplies he used was just like film yeah so i finally turned 16 got my or 15 and a half got my permit my dad gave me his car and it didn't have tint on it so I was like dad let's let's tint this like we could probably do it like we were both very like macgyvery and like could figure stuff out. Yeah. So we went to like I think we went to Pep Boys and just bought like the really crappy tint. Put it on there and did a decent enough job. I was like all right I mean that cost us like $20 in materials. Yeah. And Tori just my sister just paid the guy 200. <laughs> yeah. I was like all right yeah like there's some opportunity decent there.
1: Margins here.
0: So then I just kind of uh started getting more into it and just like researching really how to do it not just like because i mean i watched the guy do it just in person yeah um and that led to me just doing like close friends and family's cars just to kind of like start to learn more and more um and then i just got good enough where i could like basically by the end of it like my whole high school had their car tuned by me yeah and I think it, and Did I think you make, it, like, a biz? Did you call it something? And like, it was called Kramer's that? Tinting. Ah, damn it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so perfect. I had, like, business cards. And, and the good thing was, like, everyone, no one really cared, like, that much about their tint where they, like, were like, no, I'm not going to let you do it. I'm going to go pay 250 bucks to let a shop do Like, as long as it looked good enough. Yeah. They weren't, like, that, you know, anal about it. So they trusted me. Yeah. But I think something that Jake and I both also kind of had in common, kind of how Jake said he needed, he wanted to buy 200 shirts, is, like, we've always found ways to... Like I think the biggest thing with, with entrepreneurship and like what people always preach is like just go do it. Yeah. Right? And I think we've done a great job at that. For one reason being that if there's ever if we ever see an opportunity to do something, we've always found like a super scrappy way to do it. Yeah. It wasn't like, Okay, how am I gonna go raise a million dollars or like what's my website gonna look like? It's like for me, so I, I you need a tint to you know, like the film to to uh to tint Windows. And you could buy a whole roll that was like, you know, fifty cars, but I didn't want to invest, you know, like six hundred bucks into the I didn't know what I didn't know if it was gonna work or not. So what yeah. I did is I just called I called window tint companies and I said, Hey, I'm a new company. I'm looking to start tinting out of my shop. Can mm-hmm. you send me some samples? Some uh, sample rolls. Yeah. So for the first like couple of months, all I did was just get sample rolls. Yeah. And I basically was tinting cars for free. Figuring out how to do it and then once I was like all right I finally know how to do this and I have like people lined up that that one of their cars done and Then I started buying rolls and like it turned into like a pretty legit Yeah, thing. but I think we've always done that with we can go into that further with our with other stuff We've done, but yeah, that's it,
1: important and I think that like what's so important for for some younger people to understand is like Once again, I also feel like that scrappiness never really goes away, no. right? Like I have to believe that like even now when successful tech companies are raising tens of millions of dollars there's still a scrappy element to raising that much money and to getting the job done and like i'm guessing obviously uh travis from uber is probably one of the scrappiest human beings alive i'm just guessing right. and he's dealing with cha- was dealing with changing the transportation industry right and i just think like a lot of one thing that i see happening a lot is like young people think the key is to raise a shit ton of money or like somebody else must have had a lot of money to start or some big investor. Where's the money going to come from? Because if I had $10 million, I could get started properly. Mm -hmm. And I just think like that is a character trait that I see over and over and over again in entrepreneurs and really anyone that's successful almost on any level is just that like do it yourself. Like how can I not cut corners, but like how can I get this done another way than the standard easy way you know what i mean totally yeah
2: i think to touch on that i think that if you have the money especially if it's your first venture if you have you know daddy's money or whatever it may be or or you you're able to raise money somehow um you typically don't know where to put that money like you don't know the most efficient the best way to build a business yet because it's often your first time doing it um but you have it so you spend it so you have it and you feel like you have to spend it, yeah. right? And sometimes, especially if you raise, you have VCs telling you, hey, like, like invest here, invest there, do the this or that. So I think we're we've always been very frugal because yeah, I mean, it's been we've grown as fast as we can uh in four, four years or so. Yeah. And all the money that we've made has gone back into the business and we've been very frugal with we need to see an actual uh, ROI on every dollar. If we yeah. put a dollar in, we need to see at least two or three. Yeah. Um. So for us, yeah, I think it's, and I think by by being so disciplined in year one, year two, and year three, even like we've continued to, even though we're bigger now, we still have that discipline on a certain level yeah. and are probably, you know, much more disciplined than the average person who goes out and raises money from day one yeah. you know, who has a million dollars to go and, and invest day one. So.
1: Agreed. I think it's just a huge difference and I don't know whether the, you know whether the personality comes first and uh, and the environment doesn't affect it or whether the environment kind of shapes the personality right like do you get it from having to battle through it or are you born with it I don't know but that who cares about that argument my point is it's something that whichever way you learn it the long way or the short way it just seems everyone has it in common that has done what you guys have done or what we've done or literally almost it's almost anyone almost anyone who's built a business like you have to think that way and and most of the people who started with a lot of money or started with some super easy break or big investment or they usually get screwed yeah unless it's their third time doing it and they've already run two other companies totally. into the ground totally
0: yeah i mean i think with any company it, it's going to start from zero yeah like you have to realize that it's not like you know if you want to go start a like if you want to start a transportation business like uber like okay you think of uber like billion dollar business people are like oh shit how am i going to start a billion dollar business yeah but really it's going to start from zero like no yeah. matter what you do it's going to start from zero yeah and if you don't have the scrappy ways to start it, you know, it, there's always a way to start it that's scrappy enough where you can like, get in the door, see if it's gonna work, if not. And I think less with less risk. Like for me, like tending cars, I didn't, there wasn't much risk there. I, like, I tried it out, I got samples, or like I made them semi-samples, and if it didn't work, it wasn't gonna work, and I was gonna move on. Yeah. But I saw a opportunity, and I tried it to the best of my ability of what I was, you know, what my resources were. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't like I was gonna, at that time I wasn't risking anything. It was yeah. my time and I was, you know, I was passionate about just like finding opportunities to, to be successful.
1: Yeah, there's always a next step. You know that's my big thing is like there's always a, like if you're that young person who's saying oh well how do I get investors or how do I, it's like there's something you can do tomorrow that is a next step. It's yeah. not zero to I need 10 million dollars. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that's how a lot of people think. It's like I could do this if I had whatever and I don't know, I just think that's a cool thing that I, is big about your guys' story that I think is really important.
2: Totally. One thing I always tell young entrepreneurs is there's a term called minimal viable product, Mm -hmm. which is essentially just having a product that is accepted by the market but maybe isn't the finalized product. And you'll find that Uber, I mean, yeah, Uber, Facebook, like they all have done this, Mm -hmm. right? Like Uber didn't come out with Uber Eats and having suvs and this and that they just had one uber x or whatever it was yeah Or it was actually it was even dumbed down before that i think they just had some type of it was even easier before that but even for us like we come out you know we have sunglasses now and we've come out with women's watches and it, it wasn't the whole vision at once it yep. was coming out with a product getting customer feedback understanding what the market likes because maybe what you think the market likes they don't like yeah if you do it all at once you know the, the chances of you kind of hitting a home run are, are, are slim to none in fact we've almost never seen the home run effect like yeah. just oh spend all in this area and it's going to work out yeah. that almost never works for us in fact it hasn't worked for us i think for us it's always been slowly see how the market you know accepts this have some data to go off of and then and then decide if you need a pivot or how you want to go and um there's a bunch of good books on it uh yeah. peter Thiel, zero to zero to one, zero to one. yeah was i a, just was bought a that book. really yeah it's yeah a great, i haven't read it book. Yet, it's good like when we get to our stage
1: yep to hear ways of thinking and being like
2: oh shit that's that's how i thought yeah. without
1: really even reading this. yeah it's yeah. huge yeah. yeah just to like kind of validate it and then it and then it reminds you to double down on it next time totally you know what i mean because totally. you're like oh that was right and that's yeah, why it, this val- right. it
2: validates it and you're like okay that makes sense and then there's another podcast talking about um, Facebook strategy and whenever they come out with a new feature unless it's going to fundamentally change everyone and like could destroy Facebook I guess yeah it's they usually just roll it out even if it's not 100% finalized and allow the users to see what it, what it interacts with right yeah. Yeah. and they use a small portion but you know there's two billion people on Facebook they roll it out to a hundred thousand they get their data and then they move forward yeah. so it's not like they have to have this 100% polished new feature when they come out with it yeah so it's interesting
1: it's huge um kramer when did uh when did window tinting when did kramer's window tinting uh
0: end uh you know i did it pretty much it's still going if you need it <laughs> it, it, it could still be it going still if, be if you need it in the garage after. <laughs> i still have enough tint to do all my uh, any car that i have or, <laughs> or family have you ever
1: tinted your own well no of course you have right not recently no i Dude, you I did. All my he doesn't trust out. anyone. So anymore. you've tinted your car that you drive now. Yeah. Damn it. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it's I'm, easy. Once and you know how to do it, it's easy. Window tinting literally seems like the most difficult thing in the world. It's very tedious, all time consuming.
0: Bubble. Yeah. You can get, like, I used to, like, throw my razors across the garage. Like, I would get so mad because oh. you could, you know, spend a whole 30 minutes on a window and the last two minutes you fuck it up and. You yeah, have to throw the whole thing away and restart. He won't tint my car, though, even if I pay him. So Why? He's just retired. He's retired from any... Uh, it's He's his car. Oh, it's just like, oh, it's I his do my,
1: Sorry, it's bro. When it's your baby. It's like... Yeah. You know, it's too but, good now to yeah. tint anyone else's yeah. car. Yeah. What kind of car do you drive? Uh, I have an Audi R8. So even if, like, 10 years from now, you buy... Like, you're just stunting. You buy, like, a Ferrari. Do you think
0: you'll tint your own windows? <sighs> I don't know. It depends if I have the... The... I just tools love that, idea. that i need at the time so. <laughs> i think assuming if it's on your
2: garage I, this, I'll, I'll guess for him if, assuming if it's on his garage i think that he would find joy in like
1: yeah can you it. imagine kramer just rich and like tan and sort of older <laughs> not old but older and just in his like beverly hills driveway tinting <laughs> his new ferrari window well i also I know could. how much
0: it costs to do and then i know how much i would be paying someone to do it that's true so even if i was you know super rich i'd be like i don't want to pay this guy this much money
1: I think that's, I think with are super rich, it's worth it. That's what <laughs> that's you get like, super rich for, right? <laughs> Is like, I, don't, I will never tip my own Can't windows I'll just make sure
0: I'm getting a deal on it. I'm not <laughs> paying full price. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, so, yeah, where did it go? From? Did you guys, did either of you have normal jobs in high school?
0: Yeah, I did, I did, uh, pretty much only ever did valet. I love that. Like, you, guys didn't, you guys didn't do valet together? We did. We did in college. We, get, we can get to that. Okay, so high school, you started doing valet. High school, I was doing valet, a little bit of tinting here and there, uh, and then school. Yeah. And what about you? Did you have a normal job? My first job,
2: I uh, first job I went to apply for was a clothing store in the mall, and my sister stayed behind as I left my resume. It's My first like job, like resume ever, yeah. Gave, and I walk out of the store and I like give it a couple minutes. I'm like, this is my favorite store, and my sister comes back and says like the manager was just talking mad shit on you, saying like there's no way this young kid's gonna like he has no experience, he's not gonna get a job here and just literally crushed me. I'm like, fuck, like where am I gonna work? Yeah. So the answer is no. I didn't really have a a, a real job. I I started that T shirt business um when I was like, yeah, at the end, like almost turning seventeen. So there was like hope at the end of the tunnel. And then by the time I was seventeen I was paying for that was, like, what I was living off of, so. And then my first job was actually the valet at, towards the end of college.
1: Got it. Yeah. So, how did you get to, okay, so. How old are both of you? 26. Both? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay, Um. so. Then college is next, right, for both of you?
0: For, uh, for me, yeah. For okay. Jake, for Jake, slightly. What happened did you delay
2: uh so i went to college i went to community college mm-hmm. hoping to find some type of business like career path i was super excited went to spcc in santa barbara community college and um and i was taking i was doing book reports and uh learning like just hor- stuff that had no relevance to business yeah and i hated my life i yeah. remember sitting and like read like we were watching a movie we were like watching the uh, into the wild and i was like I'm like sitting in class like looking around at the kids just like I fucking hate I hate this yeah and I had the opportunity to actually By by now my t-shirt business had, had turned into a larger business selling I was selling for like if you've heard of EDC or yeah the Coachella's I was selling rave lights and accessories and I had this whole rave light business and
1: what was the site called
2: nightlife designs n-i-t life designs yeah it's so yeah, it pretty
1: pretty bad but so you're uh, <laughs> so you're going to community college while still running this so yeah i, I would take like every weekend when people would go out and Isla Vista this
2: stuff in santa barbara which was kind of the nightlife for yep. a young college kid i'd say once once or twice a month i'd drive to san bernardino from santa barbara and like promote at these raves thinking that that was going to be um like a good uh, acquisition, like revenue source, and yeah. it probably was a big waste of time, but uh, it was just showed how dedicated I was to like build this business. Yeah, and so yeah, I was doing this on the side. It was a six figure business, hundred, you know, hundred fifty thousand dollars. I had an opportunity to open up a store in the mall. And this is right when EDC and all these things were like blowing up. Yeah. right. Did you have employees? Uh, my mom was working for me, <laughs> okay. doing like a, like accounting, bookkeeping, and then I had these sponsored uh influencers at the time who were just like light show guys but no, no official employees got it, really got it so you're
1: doing 150 in revenue just 150k in revenue yeah
2: just with mom's help that's yeah Online. amazing. Yeah.
1: um okay so there that's when edc and everything was blowing up edc was blowing up anyway so
2: had an opportunity to go open up a store in a mall i opened up for three months to like the holiday season i ended up hiring like four or five people to kind of run the store with me i ended up doing like 50 or 60k in a month i was like Jesus. shit, this is, this is real money I need to start this full time. So I dropped out of college because I was over the, the book reports and watching movies and whatever yeah. and did this. Um, at 19, right? At 19. I was so 19. You, you,
1: that was one year, you didn't, did you finish one th- year of I college? I finished
2: one year of college, but even with that, I was like failing out. So yeah. I, I don't know that I would have been <laughs> there much longer. Yeah. Um, just, so you
1: never even found like a, you were just hoping for some sort of business education. You didn't find anything. No, it was
2: all general ed that was, it had no relevance. And maybe that's my fault for not doing research. To what I don't even know what like you know SBCC what their you know best majors are what they're known for yeah I just wanted to go because it was a good college experience like it was near the beach it sounded like fun so maybe that that was on me but I also had a horrible grade, so I didn't really have much of a choice yeah and, and if that you're was, not into it you're not into it I mean yeah. what are you gonna do yeah right? exactly
1: um what uh was your parents against that at all my or no because they saw you just. Killing so, it so they it. saw the yeah
2: so my parents saw that they saw the money and they actually said okay this might be something he's on to something yeah so they were okay with it um but six months into the store at a yearly it's like six or seven months in the store um things took a turn and i started losing money i had a competitor wow. that, i had a competitor mm-hmm. that just like beat me to the punch got it smarter got it. they were older and um I tried. The, I had to break the lease like six or seven months into the thing. That quick, huh? I was. It was. It went from like crazy good money, people coming to the store to the worst retail experience. It was in the worst place of a mall. There was like cockroaches around. It was like I, people weren't coming to buy rave gear. You know, uh, throughout. Yeah. Being having a rave store in a mall with that type of rent. Yeah. Is the stupidest idea. Ever. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad, and and I wasn't apparel. It was like it was it was just the gear. So they'd come in for. I'd have people come in and they'd buy batteries for like two bucks.
1: Yeah,
2: and I'd just be, and that would be the worst. Like, great, we just had we had two sales today. It was for six bucks. Yeah. you know, uh, so so it exploded right away. Why? Because it was the first thing in the mall like that. You think? It was less at the mall. It was more in my online store, and that's also another thing. I was Got like it. as direct to consumer and online has been such a major uh, kind of disruptor.
1: Yeah. But didn't you say you did like fifty or sixty k at the yeah? Because it
2: was holidays, moms, p- kids yeah, were telling them, and then afterwards there was a compa- A lot of people were driving down from like the OC, yeah. And then a store opened in the OC, uh, so I just got I, I just got demolished from from all sides, and it, it ended up being a blessing. This guy's clearly, and I learned a lot. I learned that you know how to be you know more intelligent when it comes to opening up a retail store, and yeah. and why it failed, and the issues of managing people, and and all these
1: yeah. yeah so. Talk about a lesson, I mean, that's like a, especially to go from like instantly having some success and probably thinking like you just hit the jackpot totally, to like just getting creamed. Totally. Yeah, good lesson in retail in the United States. Too. Yeah, right? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going through it. Um, Kramer, what about you? Did you, so you went to college, where'd you go to college?
0: Uh, so I went to community college in San Diego, got a place called Palomar.
1: And what was the goal? for? Like, did you have, a um, like, a major or, a, like, a target in mind or not really? No,
0: I mean, I really was, I was going to school just because I didn't really have anything else going, for, like, at the time.
1: You guys were meant to be best friends. Right. Just, we, you realize yeah. that? Like, yeah. your story is just, like, the same. It, <laughs> fucking, did you guys meet and just, like, yeah, me too. Me too. I think
0: that was, that's part of why we <laughs> did this all together. Yeah, so good. Okay, keep going. Yeah, so, I knew, I mean, I didn't have anything else going for me. I knew a degree was, you know, important in some way. Yeah. Um, if I didn't have anything else I could do. Um, you know, my parents were paying for it, fortunately. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to community college, just getting a communications degree, just to, you know, have a degree. Um, Definitely didn't like what I was learning by any means. What are you learning, like your first year of communications? I mean, you're still doing like math classes, and like, honestly, I, I didn't. It sounds bad, but I I cheated a lot of my way through yeah, school. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't like it, so I didn't nothing. Enjoy so it. the
1: answer is you didn't learn anything, pretty much. But what is commun Okay, I'm gonna sound really stupid here because I obviously skipped college. But like communications, what is does that cover? Like, what does it cover? Like, what do you if you're going to school with a communications degree, nobody, what are you it hoping? It's very, very generic. To know. Okay, very generic. it's
0: just an easy degree. Then. Yeah, it's just a way to like say you have a college degree, right? It's like it. probably the most generic, easy degree to say you have a degree. Yet. I think okay, it, I think I think what it comes down
2: to is people don't like. Oh, I don't want to be a math major. I don't want to be a you know, whatever bio major like comms is just something in between. I'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I get it, hundred yeah. percent. Um, okay, so then, so then what? So you I was, hated
0: it. So I hated it, but I didn't have anything else going for me. I wasn't just gonna go like be a bartender or something. So I, uh, two years at community college, got my AA or whatever it is. Uh, transfer to UCSB. Yeah. Um, that's where then Jake and I basically, uh, were roommates. Um, was still going to school, still hated it, but I think like to Jake's point too, like it was just a good college experience. Yeah. Um. And again, my parents were paying for it, so I was you know lucky enough to have that. Yeah. Um. But then at the same time, I think uh, you know I was just more focused on the outside world and just observing and just being interested in how people were being successful, what the opportunities were out there. Um. Just always keeping my kind of my my eyes you know looking around. at yeah, yeah, What yeah. I could do next. So where did you guys actually meet? So, Jake was, Jake was roommates with my good high school friend. Okay. Uh, so, he was already roommates. Luckily, one of the roommates removed out, and then I ended up moving in. Got it. It was funny. He moved in while I was, like, in the in between doing the
2: store. Yeah. So, like, he moves in. I haven't really met my new roommates yet. It was him as a, bu- a buddy. And, like, I'm coming back every weekend because, like, I, at this point, I had a store during the So, I would go during the week, and I'd leave on, like, the weekends. Yeah. Sometimes let my team, like, handle it. And I was just over the store. But it was just funny because, like, he's seen this, like, kid who hustles too coming in all the time and then finally like i closed down the store and came and moved back to santa barbara full-time which is cool but uh yeah totally coincidental that we met
1: and did you guys like get along well right away yeah yeah but there was no like obviously no at that point you're just two college buddies
0: yeah i think we both like we both had very similar similar like childhoods and just like our personalities and like outlook on each being want, like wanting to be successful and like wanting to have our own company. like Jake yeah. obviously already did and I had like little kind of random things, but I think we had similar, very similar personalities. Yeah. I think you find some people who are,
2: who can go the traditional route of getting a good college degree and like figuring it out that way. And then me and him who absolutely hated the system and yeah. wanted to figure out, and like we would absorb, talk to anyone, do whatever we could to be successful and knew that the traditional route wasn't going to be, end all be all yeah. and i think that's where we just kind of clicked and both realized like this This is the first time we've talked to and you had talked to a different person each other who uh who, who agreed on that and, yeah. and was just scrappy and have done stuff in the past to make a buck like we would talk about it all the time
1: yeah i get that did you drop out before he did i dropped
0: out at yeah 19. And so then,
1: you dropped out before he even got there or no
0: yeah i didn't know time, yeah jake I, jake was just like so he was being be Santa out. Barbara on the weekend. I was like, "What is this kid doing?" He was the raver dropout. <laughs> I was a yeah. raver dropout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and then, how did you finish, uh, Kramer, or no?
0: Uh, I was very. I was about a quarter away from finishing. That's amazing. And I. So how much? How how many years total did you go? I was like three and a half years. Jesus Christ! Yeah. And you
1: were a quarter away, and what? You just couldn't take it anymore.
0: I, I had so I, to backtrack a little bit. I was. Again, like I said, I think Jake and I were both like always super observant. Yeah. How are other people being successful and just, you know, always looking for opportunities? So we heard about a kid uh, that was a friend of a friend that had a lot of success on Kickstarter uh-huh. and didn't expect it, made a ton of money and was doing super well. Yeah. So that got me like super interested and I had never heard of Kickstarter before. And once I started looking at Kickstarter, and this was, you know, five years ago, uh, there's just all these campaigns and products and ideas that were that were just taking off and doing really well. Yeah. So like my days as opposed to, you know, going to class and studying, I was just on Kickstarter learning and just figuring out like what campaigns were doing well, how they were doing well, what they were doing to be successful. Um, and I just became obsessed with it. And so that made me start I had like a, a little wallet company. Got it. That I did and I launched on Kickstarter. Was that after valet? This was When were you guys valeting together? This was like the last year of college and this was, he, he was doing it kind of at the same time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I launched it on Kickstarter. It basically took off as I had hoped. Um, what was it called? It was called, it's still around actually. I, I started with a, a friend. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called Articulate Wallets. Okay. Um, it's basically like a little clever unique wallet that was like minimal, gave you quick access to your cards. Yeah. Um, it was affordable. And what was the kick? like how did you do the campaign?
1: like was it a video like how did you yeah so it? me
0: and my friend we just filmed a video why we were doing it what the product kind of how it helped your daily life um show pictures of it videos of it uh just had, like a good sincere video and it. it started taking off this was like i think the end of my second quarter of my last year and i was like taking these had to study for test at the same time I was like making money like i always wanted to do yeah and i just like one day i was like mom i'm like i'm done i can't do this anymore yeah like i'll go back if i need to go back because i can you know but right now i'm like this is like exactly what i've always wanted and i just simply i could not focus on school yeah that's just amazing i just
1: love like i love the story of when you're almost done and like you just can't do it anymore you know what i mean because the amount of passion for something else that has to be there for you to say fuck this with a quarter left you know what i'm saying is like you've spent three years just to get this thing this diploma and like to be like, you know what man fuck it is like a huge I don't know I just really I, I was imagine. even
2: like are you sure you want us
0: to like, that? like <laughs> yeah. I was like bro
2: I, I dropped out when I was 19 like I was way way off from yeah. graduating like I was still at a community college It's like right there, but I think it's
1: no, all supportive yeah. it, man. I think it's <laughs> dope. Yeah,
0: but I probably would if I was your friend I'd be like bro this <laughs> is fucking chill but I think it was different. I think people always talk about like, is it good to go to school and that whole conversation. Yeah. I think something that Jake and I and a lot of people I've talked to. You know, if you're if you're really passionate and you have something going for you. Yep. I think it's okay. You know, if you're trying to drop out of school because you're, you don't you don't know what you want to do and you don't have anything going for you and you're gonna go work at a restaurant. Yeah. I don't I, and personally I don't think that's a good idea.
1: But let me ask you this question: If I'm 18 years old and I am unclear on what I want to do but similar to both of you guys college seems like the logical next step what do I do it's, it's such
2: a tough question I, mm-hmm. I it's honestly it's it's hard because i hate seeing people go into to debt yeah to uh, pursuing something that they don't want to do i think yep. that's a bad decision right like don't don't go and and get alone and and uh pursue something that you don't want to do yeah. some people are fortunate enough that their that their parents are funding it and and but still like your parents don't want to fund something that is going to have no value or or you yeah. know, pay off in the long run so i don't know i think that there is a learning process in, in for for students like for us being in college we, we were able to be away from our parents be on our own make friends yeah. you meet people right that are driven like to get to this point people Traditionally who at least get to college are are usually mo- more driven than others. Yeah, so I think you get that aspect of it uh, It's a it's a growing up time Um. But
0: yeah, I don't know it's, it's hard for me to say Yeah, that's just a tough what, one like I don't do you I, have, a, do you I, have I, the same opinion I or? guess there, yeah There's no right or there's there's a there's no right or wrong way yeah. I think you can do it both ways. I would just I guess if you do have the means to go to college um, And still have you know the side hustle yep I think that's a good route to go. If you're like, you know you wanna be in a certain industry and you can go maybe intern and just kinda like, you, you know for sure this is what you're gonna wanna do and you can find a place to intern and, and not to pay for school and you can just learn the ropes from someone that's doing what you wanna do, I think that's another great route. Yep. Um, but if you're just you know gonna sit around, then I, yeah, I yeah. It's tough, I think if it was my kid, I would
1: say you need to go try a bunch of shit. Like you need to go like intern, travel, Meet people, like literally just try everything under the sun until you find some sort of direction or passion for something, right? For sure. And if that, if college can help build on that, then great, we'll do that. If not, then let's carve out a plan of how to pursue this other thing. But I just, like, I don't know. Now that, like, with this sort of opinion and all these people that I've talked to now and like my mentality on this, like, I don't know how I'll handle it when. My child is 18 and is like, you know, do you want to spend all this money on sending them to college for no. with no goal and potentially just getting them further off of what their goal would have been? Or like, how do you try to like cultivate some sort of passion? You yeah. know what I mean? But I think like you have to start in high school just giving them weird shit. Hey, you like this? Yeah. That's kind of like marketing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're into I mean, I
0: think to the, to the point of, you know, we have, I guess, you know, around 30 people in house now. Yeah. And we've never cared, at all, where they went to school. Yeah. You know, we care about what kind of value they're going to bring, what they did in the past. Yeah, same here. Granted, they maybe wouldn't have a history of past experience without having a a degree to get that experience. Yeah. But it's really just you know bringing the value and the experience that we need.
1: To me, college, for at least for my business, there's a lot of businesses that aren't like this. But for me, it only proves discipline. Right? Or shows some level of discipline. Mm-hmm. Right. But like 90% of the people I've spoke to that went to college didn't go for what their degree was. Yeah. Right. But at least you can count on it. You know, they're going to be up early. You know, yeah. they're going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just interesting. I feel like that debate is getting bigger and bigger right now. And it's just going to be this huge thing. And oh, totally. Like, I have to believe that at some point it either changes or there's some big fallout or, you know what I mean? Like, something has yeah. to happen. It's yeah, totally. too clear. And to known that the, the just going by the system doesn't lead to success and happiness. Yeah, everyone knows that now. So
0: it's like everyone's trying to figure out. I think with the internet too, it's just so much easier to find ways to to be successful and make money or figure yeah. out how to do it at least. And it's, you know what? You know what
1: else is scary is it's not only easier to do that, but it's way easier to see that college isn't it. Sure. Right, so for all the kids even that may have went and actually college may have helped them or maybe spurred them They're not gonna do it either because it's like I know that's not it, you know, so the one th- one thing is clear is College Isn't as promising as it used to be. Yeah, right And yeah. so it just leads everyone to be like okay. Well, then what is the thing? Yeah, yeah.
2: I think for people who are, don't know I think the business side of it like if I could go back in time granted everything worked out but my advice would be if you want to do something in business find a whether it's community college or it's a or it's a community college that's near a an actual college that's like you know more business focused because then you're going to meet more people yep. who are business-minded yeah right and that at the end of the day could be the most, most valuable piece of it yep. more so than what you're going to learn or this or that i think a lot of stuff in marketing or even sometimes in business now is so outdated with how fast the world moves yeah uh, but i think being with people like-minded And then also just Mm self-educating. It's like one of the most important pieces. You have the internet. It's so funny how I talk to, you know, people who are generations uh, older than we are, and their way of thought is so outdated because they didn't grow up with internet. They didn't have any other. The only source of truth was what their parents told them or what they learned from a professor. Versus, uh, just go read online. or Go listen to a podcast. Like even like you know books to relatively. There's a lot of fluff that's put in books like Mm -hmm. older books. Now books are written a little differently there's again podcasts, there's online art articles like there's
1: so much more out there yeah, it's so true so. it's interesting, man. I really wonder just how it sort of affects long term like what do how do our kids talk about it or yeah. do our kids like is starting is being an entrepreneur for our kids just expect it? yeah, you don't have kids, do you no yeah. do you you no no we don't worry i'm not i I just don't worry about it man. no no but i'm just saying like for the next generation (laughs) right like they're gonna be like like the thought of like college and some system grooming you to be a success is going to be
0: crazy
1: and the thought of like the thought of starting your own business or sort of being your own brand i feel like is just going to be like commonplace
0: yeah Yeah. it's so much easier to connect to people like if you want to do a certain thing you can connect to the person online and hopefully you know they give you a a 30-minute phone call, or it's just so much easier to connect with people yeah. and get information about things you're really passionate about yeah. and try to get experience. Shit,
1: I've came up so much off this podcast simply because I have a podcast to, you know what I mean, to be like, hey, you want to come talk? Yeah. Like, this is the type of conversation I would have loved to have with you guys, but just wouldn't have had it, right? right? I would have been like, how's business? Good, yeah, oh, no, totally. that's cool. You, you guys, went to college together? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you get 10 minutes. Yeah. But, like, this, now I've built a platform where it's an excuse for me to just soak in so much knowledge from all these different people. Yeah.
2: My biggest advice to, to entrepreneurs, I actually just had this conversation yesterday with one, was, or just not even entrepreneurs, people in college are trying to figure out what they want to do, mm-hmm. is go and talk to people in different spectrums of, of you know careers and industries, but that are doing something that you may think you want to do or want to do. Because you yep. can't get advice. It's hard for me to get advice from a professor yep. who isn't doing what. I want to do even if they're a marketing professor it's like you're not doing what i want to do yeah and i think that's the number one thing is go and talk to someone who has accomplished what you want to accomplish and they will give you their perspective and advice and you go talk to 10 of those people yeah and you'll form your own decision and find like the commonalities or what's what the differences are yeah and i mean that yeah that's that's cool and itself. you're
1: never gonna find the answer and like have it all carved out you know but if something feels a little right just go down that path totally you know like because totally. it'll Even you guys, like starting those early businesses and starting those early, even I think just programmed in your minds that you could do it. And then you started talking to other people who had done it. And then you started researching and looking up how to get window tint or how to order wallets, I'm sure led to looking up how to make watches. And, you know, like all these things just sort of snowball that you don't really think about. And so it's just about like following, actively following the instinct instead of, I think another big failure is a lot of young people sit around and sort of wait for the plan to be perfect totally you know and if it's not then they just don't act i think that's the money thing that we were talking about earlier the investor thing i think is sometimes an excuse for actually just waiting for everything to be perfect you're waiting yeah, for yeah. money you're waiting for the business plan you're waiting for the designs totally. you're waiting for sourcing you're waiting for literally everything money's just kind of the excuse totally you know? yeah. goes back to kramer's first point which was just just get started or just
2: start trying Man, yeah a viable product like you go and you learn and you figure it out and you talk to people and you
0: you know, you form your own opinion on, on how to, you know, how things work. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if it's not, I think especially at an early age, if you're like 16, 18, like, you know, you don't have a lot of money. If if whatever you're trying to do doesn't have an easy, scrappy way to just like see if it can work or not. Yeah. It's probably not a good first first thing to start. Yeah. You know, don't, don't think you're going to go raise $10 million and start the next billion dollar company when you're 17. Yeah. Like start small. Like if it doesn't work, you're, you're going to learn from it. But whatever you're trying to do, make sure there's an easy way where you can be like, all right, I can see this, you know, starting to grow over the next, you know, period of months. But you don't need to be a millionaire after the first week.
1: Yeah, of course. I think people also yeah. have
0: to understand that they will fail.
2: Like you had, like yeah, that's a, it's a scary thing to think about. But um, and oftentimes your first couple, like, will fail because you just unless you talk to people and have guidance, yeah. Even then, you're probably going to fail. Um, I mean, I failed in my first couple, right, yeah. and. It was good because I learned what not to do, mm-hmm. if, if anything. And, I, and it was funny, I remember the, the store closed down. I owed $20,000 to my parents. I was in 5K in debt, credit card debt. And I was like, what can I write down? I thought about this. What can I write down right now for the next business venture? Because everyone's like, oh, you, you'll learn for the next one. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, I'm not, no, yeah. I'm not. I didn't believe it. Yeah. And I, because I couldn't write anything down. And then here comes movement. And there's decisions that come to the table and I'm like, well, we're, we can't do that yeah. because I yeah. did that, it didn't work, trust yeah. me, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily what you write down on paper, it's it's what you take with you for the actual, when you come to like, you
1: know, the, the road, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so good. Um, okay, so you raised a shit ton of money for, on Kickstarter, right? Like a hundred grand or something? For, for movement? Uh, no, on the Articulate? wallet thing. Oh, wallet? Yeah, we did it, yeah. So that was like a huge, sorry, I'm just jumping back into that part of the story. So that was like a huge, Massive success for I mean were you like blown away that you just raised a hundred thousand dollars?
0: You know it's it's kind of what what I expected just because that's why I did it And that's you know, I did so much like I said I spent my entire day just researching so like
1: So you knew you could do it.
0: I was pretty confident. I could do it. Yeah. What was the goal? The goal was like ten grand Jesus Christ. But that was more just like an artificial (laughs) kind of what what was it was kind of a strategy.
1: Yeah, yeah um. So then you launched that thing, the bra- the wallet brand,
0: and and w- what was the initial
1: uh, initial feedback? Was good.
0: Yeah, I think to Jake's point about a minimal viable product, like our first wallet was, it it was pretty bad. Yeah, but it got you know people at least accepted it, gave us feedback. You know, weren't gonna be like, oh, I'm never buying from them again. They're yeah. like, oh, like it works. Yeah. And then, you know, we did another iteration of it, launched again, we're successful. Um and yeah, it was it was a it's we didn't, you know, put fifty grand into doing this. It was like, let's get samples made. You know, to movements jumping a little ahead here, but like we got samples made. We bought a camera from Costco, yeah. a nice two thousand dollar camera, yeah. returned it. So, like, our, really our investment, and even for the wallets, was, like, we weren't risking that much. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just getting enough done where we could launch a video, launch a campaign, um, and have samples where we could, you know, shoot them and, and like, show them online. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's huge. Um, and then at the same time, so you dropped out of school, launched this
1: brand, massive Kickstarter success. Get me to the valet part. Because I just love the idea of you guys working fucking valet together yeah. five years ago.
0: So I was, I want, I did I started doing the valet before I started the wallets, mainly because I just needed a job. Like Wait, I like just, a, was it like at a restaurant? It was at a nice resort, Bacara in yeah. Santa Barbara. they like a uh, pretty high-end resort. Like Kobe, that's
1: was where uh, one of them had their wedding there.
2: Uh, oh yeah, uh, D D, D. Yeah. had his wedding there. D. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be like Kobe's camp would be there, Michael Jordan's camp would be there, Justin Bieber would roll up. Like it was like. It was like, it, it was a weird hotel. It was just like in the middle of nowhere. It was secluded. Yeah. And it was on the beach. So you would just have these celebrities roll up. And it was my first job. And I, I, I don't
1: know. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it was cool. I, I mean, I also love cars. So it was like a great place to be. And again, like being around successful people, it was just like, I enjoyed it.
1: And were you valeting like Ferraris and like, yeah, you know, everything.
0: Like, ghost and
1: yeah. Damn it. Everything. I just love, like you guys tell that story a lot, right? Do you tell the valet story a lot? Because that's a huge, like, hey, we were doing valet together five years ago, and now we have this massive fucking I supplement. think the coolest thing for
2: me is So being in the, in the valet booth, and we would be talking about, yeah, we're starting this, this watch brand movement. I remember this one kid came up to me, and was like, oh. And he knew that, like, Kramer had launched a, a wallet, and I had another Kickstarter thing I tried that kind of fell, fell on its face. and yeah But people knew we were doing the watch thing. We were showing pictures. We were very vocal about it. We weren't, like, hiding it. So that idea was formed in that time frame. Like in that moment yeah, yeah yeah in our last year of college basically and or last year at santa barbara yeah, and You've been I, out, for years. yeah. <laughs> out for it's five just too years. hard to explain i just go out college <laughs> yeah. So um but yeah so it was very vocal so everyone there knew what we were doing and then it, it actually didn't launch until we had moved home like a week after we moved home everyone graduated we moved home but to see like, the capacity of like where it went and and we knew we still like friends a lot of guys on facebook or whatever and yeah so they they really saw us talking about it from day one to where it's at today it's just yeah. and, and honestly I've, I've had some of them reach out and be like honest you, you you've shown me that like it's possible like to know actually where you were to yeah. see now because like you hear those stories and you're like yeah but their dad you know owned. of course owned, you know, Microsoft or something, yep. I, Bill Gates, right? Like or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just some some type of thing that you don't know or, or how how they launched. And I think this was the first time where our friends were able to really see like holy shit, these guys just did it. Just continued to work on their craft and they'd be they'd be in that booth just brainstorming about their watches that yeah. they thought were gonna go nowhere essentially and,
1: and to see where it went. And it's the beauty of like that's what I try to really try to do here. And that's why you guys are so perfect for this is like I think the power of seeing or hearing that that even is real, because I think that part of why when you hear a story like that and you say, oh, where their dad is so and so or they they had a lucky break. Part of that is because sometimes those that's true with some people. But I also think that so much of it is like a defense mechanism, right? Because you don't want to it's a lot easier to say they had something I didn't than to just say, well, shit, that means I could do it, too, if I tried really hard. And that's a hard thing to accept. That you're just not doing it because you're just not doing it and I think that like what I love about doing this is bringing it down to like you guys are normal dudes you know like yeah. you're hungry as shit and you're smart as shit but you're normal dudes who followed step one step two step three and just are still trying to work through it and still trying to build something and like I think the value of seeing that I think even had you guys been in that valet booth in Santa Barbara thank God you were naturally driven but if you ha- if you could listen to stories of other normal people who had accomplished it from ballet booths and from restaurants and yeah. from whatever, I think that it would motivate people. And I think that's what's so incredible about your guys' story. That I don't know how much you do, but I would urge you to tell as much as you possibly can because right now with this generation of kids, like you are the epitome of what they all need to hear. Yeah, and hear that it is doable without dad's money or yeah. without. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No,
2: I love that because at the time there wasn't I couldn't find many that had a story that was so college dropout like you hear oh you know Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of college but that you know but he's also an alien yeah exactly so (laughs) that just doesn't it's not relatable it's like I have no exact skill set I'm not a great coder designer um I'm just an entrepreneur at heart and I don't have any money is it possible to be successful and there wasn't a lot of stories like that and so I think with us doing it through crowdfunding, too, with movement. Mm-hmm. It really told the story of, like, a lot of people were either trying to do it or, or, or thinking about it at the time, and that's why we like to tell our story more and more. Yeah. And be, Being so young, too, is something we want to encourage people to just get out and, and, and yeah, it's try. It's
1: huge. It could literally be, like, your greatest... Like I said, I don't know how much you tell your story. I'm sure you do plenty, but, like, it's a huge fucking thing. Like, it's a huge upside that you guys have, that relatability that, like, you should really tell yeah. everyone no that's awesome um why watches
2: so I think it's a few things I mean we were both into fashion mm-hmm. relatively I mean we couldn't really we didn't have a ton of money so it was kind of you know being scrappy going online finding stuff but we loved fashion um, we also really liked watches and there was like the one accessory that we both uh liked i remember like we'd have this shelf in the he'd has he'd have a shelf in his room and then I had a shelf of mine we'd have a couple watches on it and yeah the thing about watches, where we looked at it and we realized that, like, first off, why are they so expensive? Why was a good quality watch so expen- so expensive? And we found them being, you know, anywhere from like three hundred to six hundred dollars for a good watch. Yeah. So we were looking at like different different things to come out with, and we wanted to do something on on crowdfunding, uh, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and uh, when we looked in the watches, not only were, did we realize that. They were priced extremely high, but also there wasn't really a brand that we resonated with. Yeah, that was the one thing that we realized: who's a who's a watch brand that we resonate with as our demo, uh, not something that's super action sports related or something yeah. that's just bland or something too blingy like some of the you know uh, kind of older brands that are you know in a bunch of kind of traditional retail stores. Yeah. We wanted something that was fashion-forward, aspirational, something that you could, you know, wear out whether it's with a suit or it was just your everyday watch. Kind of wake up, grab a cup of coffee. Like we just wanted a watch that we could wear every single day. Yeah. And we saw kind of a little gap in the market. So also by having a business model selling direct to consumer, yeah, on our own website, we didn't have to sell a watch. We didn't have to give any uh, cut to the retailer. Yeah. So we could sell, uh, you know. $150 watch or a $95 watch that our competitors sold for, yeah, 300 plus. Yeah, And I think that was one component of it, but also just building a brand online through social media, um, having a dialogue with the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Usually you go, and you go to Macy's, and you say, hey, like, what's this watch? And they go, oh, it's a blank stainless steel. They, don't, they know nothing about the watch. Yeah. For us, if you have a question, you DM us or you message us, or we're doing stuff like this, like it, it's a personable experience with our our company, with our consumers, and yeah. um, and that's like the generation, the online, and you know, millennial more so generation of yeah. how they buy and consume brands. So I think there's a you know kind of we leverage that. Uh, so yeah, long kind of answer.
1: But. No, 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 that's exactly what I want. Um, and then so when you guys were sitting just for the sake of the story i'm going to glorify it by saying you're literally just sitting in this valet booth like hashing out your whole plan but um you so you're like okay let's do watches uh for that exact reason um we're going to sell it e-commerce only did you know anything at the time about like facebook marketing or any of that stuff or you just knew how to like make a online store we hardly knew how to make an online store okay. it, was, it was like
2: basically it was it was first first things first it was launched successfully on Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. We need capital to to fund the like the business yep. uh to fund like the the orders basically. So we set out for a $15,000 goal. Again, that was strategic. It's not that $15,000 would have uh bought us yep. you know the first round of watches and that would have been it. Um but it was so we made $300,000 on Indiegogo and that was basically pre-orders. That's how crowdfunding works. People give you money for you, you show them the samples, you, yep. you you tell them the vision. And then they basically place orders at uh you know more affordable pricing than they would. And you did three hundred thousand, three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Jesus Christ! And what do you show?
1: You show samples? You had samples? so basically
2: you, you make a video like, hey guys, this is the brand. These are the the samples that we are or the, not even samples. These are the watches that we're, we're carrying. At the time, we only had a handful of samples. Got it. If it goes nowhere, we s- wasted money on samples. That way, you don't have to go and spend thousands of dollars for a full production run of watches. Yeah, like kind of like what I did for the shirts yeah. i don't need to go ask dad for two thousand dollars or whatever it was. like yeah. for shirts i could just crowdfund it get you know customers ordering and then they just know it's going to take a little longer than typical yeah. so it's a pre-order yeah um but yeah three hundred thousand dollars was raised and once we got there we we said okay now we need to figure out a website so we went and we we created a website the day when the, the day the campaign ended we had a website running and it was a very very it was like a template very shitty it was Pretty bad website. Yeah. But it was up and running and, and just minimal viable product. We didn't spend the time to get this fancy website. It was a few thousand dollars. It was a built in template. We had some uh outsource company do it and yeah. and that was it.
1: Um Man. So. when that three hundred thousand hit, like were you guys like on top of the fucking world? Or were you like what was the what was the feeling?
0: I mean, I think for us just our kind of our personality was like all right, this is our an opportunity to. I mean, this wasn't like you know our, we're not like millionaires. Yeah. So it's like okay, now this is an opportunity. Let's like keep grinding even harder. Yeah. It's never. I mean, even to this day, like we still run the company. Like we're, you know, a small two person just startup. Yeah. It's just like we're hungry to grow. We're hungry to kind of be the best. Um, I think we're both super competitive, and that's what kind of plays into it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of always how we thought about it. Every day we wake up, like, how do we continue to build this thing?
1: Yeah yeah man
0: damn it i just love i love those moments of like
1: wins or like validation on a good idea you know like we all have them like those moments when it was like damn and then this hit and people started to really like it and just that moment because you don't get them very often you know yeah Uh,
2: i can walk through like just a quick a quick story so we launched on we submitted to kickstarter uh right kickstarter is is the biggest one, biggest crowdfunding site, and um, at the time they had strict rules on and guidelines of what you could and couldn't launch, and I think he, they wanted something very innovative, and new. Mm-hmm. And our watch, which was you know kind of a play on, on a minimal watch, yeah. didn't cut those yep. uh, those guidelines, so they denied us. And I remember driving, and we we, we submitted for an appeal, and uh, they denied us again. I'm just like fuck. We've spent so much time and money, and this was like we knew, we thought that this could be a three hundred thousand dollar campaign. Yeah. And they said no, and we knew there was Indiegogo, but you go on Indiegogo, and it was kind of like the outcast companies that yeah. did, that, that didn't make it, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And I think so. We we just we were a little down on ourselves. We're like, all right, like we're gonna do it, and we're gonna treat it like Kickstarter, but um, you know, we'll see what happens. And then I remember we launched and we were going after it and and we we made like 15k in the first like two weeks but some of it was it was like very like aggressive I mean we were going on forums having our friends put money in yeah. so like we didn't see the potential really of necessarily getting to a huge number yeah but what we didn't know is Indiegogo and Kickstarter work a little differently and like the tail end of the campaign uh-huh. is actually where you make the most where Kickstarter it's typically like you if you if you win you win out the gate yeah so why that's how they push it's just a, it, different it's content. just different algorithms okay. different yeah i don't Go know ahead. what's what's better or worse but so we so yeah we launched on on indiegogo and you know we were probably like three weeks into it i end up going on a, a planned camping trip with my dad i have no internet for th- and service for three days oh man coming down the hill i'm like waiting to see how i wonder where we're at like probably maybe another 5k we're at 50k i get Three thousand texts from Kramer saying, "Dude, where the fuck are you man? Like, <laughs> get out of the freaking <laughs> <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. And and then like from that point on, I think we got featured on the homepage. We made another thirty k like a, a few days later, and I just remember looking at my phone, just like order, order, Or It was like emails, basically, just money, order, order, order. And yeah, uh, so that was like a good holy shit, we actually did this where we weren't sure if we were going to like dreams were almost crushed yeah again and. So that was a cool kind of like wow. Now we got to there, and then it started. No, then we started. Although we were happy and stoked, it was like we're gonna need this money that we just made to continue growing the business. So, like yeah. we can either take it and say, "Hey, good job," <laughs> go or on a vacation. yeah, like <laughs> thanks, guys. and then yeah. And but we, we saw more opportunity, and I think that's that's as entrepreneurs, you're probably very, it's like so much opportunity on the table once yeah. you get to a certain point, and you see the reward of of like being. Successful and, and trying something and seeing it work. So, and that's just kind of how we've been. Is continue yeah. to see the, the opportunity on the table.
1: Yeah, I get it. It's so cool. Um, so had you guys moved back, moved away from Santa Barbara at this point or no? He, he, was,
2: he was home with uh, his parents. I was in Valencia with mine. So we were kind of for like six or seven months, maybe, since the campaign launch. We were kind of doing the.
1: How far away are there two? Four hours,
2: hours. Yeah, three or four hours. Okay, got,
1: three, got it. Three or four hours. Yeah. Um, how did you figure out like did did you have to go figure out production before uh before the campaign is that how you got the samples or did you once you got the money then you kind of went and tried to find manufacturing because one of the biggest priorities was to have it be affordable right yeah so the
2: affordable piece of it was really primarily the business model got it it was the fact that we didn't have to price them up to make a profit for the retailer. Got it. So You didn't actually. have a nightmare of like trying to find
1: like how do you no, make this crazy No, it was. It was. I walk? mean,
2: no, it wasn't crazy cheap. We were looking for qu- like quality and understanding what the market charges for a quality watch, and then finding the best manufacturer and getting samples. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like yeah. So that was a little uh, difficult, but it wasn't that we were trying to find the cheapest. Got it. Person we could possibly find. Got it. Means no.
1: So it was relatively.
2: Yeah. Not and jumping. that's that's a cool th- yeah I mean that's the cool thing about the, the direct direct to consumer model is you can yeah it's huge yeah, yeah that's yeah. why you can compete with the big guys is because they need their you know wholesale margin, margin and yeah. we're shooting for direct to consumer so yeah, that's now with great. that said we still we still sell to we're in Nordstroms and we just don't make as much as some of these guys who are selling for three or four hundred dollars but is that like a more of a marketing thing or you do real business it's combination yeah I mean we're doing real business there. It's, they do well um. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we still we still make money. Yeah. We have good margins on the product, but we're not making. I think our value of being so much more affordable brings all the the customers to us versus buying a yeah like three or four hundred dollar watch. Yeah, who designed the initial? You guys did it in their in the early days. Yeah, very collaborative. Just <laughs> That's crazy. A, yeah, no Photoshop experience really. It would be like cu- pretty much like cu- cutting and pasting just pictures of watches and saying <laughs> yeah. I like this component and like uh designs and sketches and just like from scratch really yeah. and then the manufacturer would come back with digital renderings so oh, that's cool um now now we have a designer thank god yeah
1: so, um so you so you move away from santa barbara you launch this thing three hundred thousand, huge you're getting the watches made you like so when you guys are living separately from each other are you kind of game playing like all right bro this shit's real like this is what we're gonna do we're gonna have the Instagram look like this, and because your guys' Instagram is very, like, its own thing—the way you do the travel shots and the scenic shots and all that stuff—like, it's definitely something unique. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, my question is: Is that when you guys started game planning on, like, okay, what's this brand look like? What's the roadmap look like? How are we gonna blow this thing up? Or it was a little bit of that. I mean, more so, our our number one thing was let's focus on.
2: More ways to bring revenue in. We had IndieGoGo. Like, how how are we gonna get the next customer? Yeah, right. And for us, it was it was definitely developing a brand, but we didn't want to spend a bunch of money just on photography. So it was, you know, encouraging people to refer friends. It was, you know, we, we had a few blog placements. We were meeting with like some you know some blogs, etc. And but the first year was a lot. It was very like kind of growth hacky and organic. I don't think we spent much money on marketing, if any at all. It was very. Was getting like some press hits here and there, and yeah. trying to bootstrap it. In our first year, we did a million in revenue, combined with the the IndieGoGo, and That's insane. yeah, so it was an amazing year. And then the content started to flow in, and we we actually because we were, you know, watches and we were hitting blogs around the world. We actually had a pretty wide, uh, we cast a wide net of, of international customers sending in imagery. Yeah. Some of them were really really cool images. So we started encouraging these guys. Hey, we'll send you another watch, but just post some cool pictures. Yeah. And it was always like the modern day gentleman was what we wanted. Yeah. But in terms of like the content and visuals, that took a little while to get going because it was hard. Instagram was also kind of an early stage, so it was just kinda getting getting going. But once we our I think our second year in the business where we started to find certain photographers we really liked, yeah, we really then put like the brand vision together for the men's side and, and then built off of who was who was the the, the movement man and, and went from there. And it's it's evolved over the years too. Like yeah. we didn't have it 100% figured out day one. Um, it's we didn't even know if we were going to be a company day one. So yeah. it, it's taken time to evolve and I think I think it's important that uh, the brand always consistently evolves. Like yeah. I don't think that we've made it 100% it's what it is today. I think we have to evolve through kind of you know e-commerce and yeah. demos and
1: yeah, social media, so. What was your first biggest like Vehicle for talking to the community was it was it Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, what was your first like? Here's where we speak to our our people. It was actually
2: Facebook, yeah. Facebook and uh, before they took away all the reach, Facebook yeah. and and email were probably the two biggest, and and we right. didn't like sending too many emails because. Like and unless we have a new watch, I really don't want to hit these guys with a, an email saying, "Hey, buy a watch." Right? Yeah, because we don't want to just we didn't want to lose our following. Yeah, yeah, So it was very it was very value only emails, and then we did these giveaways on on Facebook to kind of get going. Every 500 likes, we'd give away a, a watch, yeah. and like we just make it a thing, and communicated with them there. We'd get some DMs, some some uh, tweets, and and just try and engage as much as possible. Yeah. And at the time, it was relatively easy because it wasn't we didn't have that big of a customer base. Yeah um so yeah i'd say the first and then once instagram it's funny we were a little late to the game relatively on instagram like it was always there but such so image heavy and we wanted to do such a good job that we were kind of like let's focus on facebook first yeah that's easier we can do text posts we can do this like we can kind of game it with giveaways and then once we got on instagram it was like okay we got to step our shit up that's when we hired uh, a couple buddies and they really started to manage it and we started to uh, we had one of our employees go and start sourcing content, so we yeah. can get some content, and then they could kind of, uh, you know, figure out the best way to visualize it on on the on the Instagram. So yeah, and that got a lot of traction pretty quickly, yeah. right? Then we started to see success, and we started to see all these amazing photographers who were taking pictures with the brand and yeah, who, so cool. yeah, who fit like the demo. And it's 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 funny how, how much it's changed. And there's a lot of me too's and copycats now who yep. are so, but we work with some of like the most incredible videographers and photographers and there's one called Jacob and another Sam Colder. And these yep. guys literally, all they do is travel the world yep. and are some of the most talented, uh, they're like 21, 22 years old too. They're young dudes and they're just traveling. They've been in like 60, 70 countries and they just, they're just they just like amazing at what they do. So we've kind of worked with them and we hit them up when they were nothing too, yeah. which is awesome. Like We were at the stage where we saw some pictures and like, hey, would you like to work together and built a relationship over the years. And did you um, start by just saying, we'll send you watches, you send us pictures? it you know it, it really re- it really depends sometimes it was hey we'll we'll pay for a post sometimes yeah. it was some some of these guys just were like yeah sure i'll do it yeah 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 um, this is cool cuz like i also think it's an element of if they really want to work with you like if they're young if they if they have a small following then sometimes you can get content for just a, a free product yeah. they're going to hustle just as much as you are willing to hustle and yeah. if it works out then we'll do something ongoing cuz sometimes you pay people and they don't hit the
1: mark yeah i'm big on the first option yeah you know? exactly yeah cuz we've had a lot of things we've had huge campaigns where we've paid lots and lots of money and the people just don't do anything they yeah. show up for the photo shoot and yeah. leave and that's pretty much the last yeah. time you see them yeah. you know and like then we've had p- people that we've grown with and built longer term relationships with and you get so much more engagement and so much more out of like a real relationship i mean people can feel whether it was yeah. real or not on yeah. some level you know
2: yeah. i mean i feel like you guys almost invented the influencer game like you had pe- you had literally everyone That's a huge compliment. Uh, Yeah, no, totally. I mean, we would look at you guys and see, I mean, literally
1: every rapper, every TV personality, like, Yeah, it was just a massive priority of ours. And and for me, like, one of my issues was I didn't want the brand to be Dramas merch or Dramas brand. And so, like, I probably went five times as hard as, like, what would have been sufficient. Um, because I wanted it to be associated with all these other people and say, look at all these other people wearing it. Oh my God, so-and-so came by today and he's wearing it and she's wearing it and not be, I so badly didn't want it to be my thing. Yeah, totally. Um, did you know these people or was it kind of, because you
2: had the TV show, like, were you kind of going out on a limb sometimes to be like, yo, like- Yeah,
1: most of the time. Really? And I still try to do that today and even, like, with the podcast, like, that's, I will say that's one personality trait that I probably picked up during that time that I try to never let go of, because it's really uncomfortable sometimes, and sometimes you feel like you're just gonna get shit on, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm just putting myself out there, and yeah. naturally, I hate doing that. Yeah. But um, I've learned that it just works, and most people will do the favor, or help you out, yeah. or come through. Or So yeah, most of the time it was me, and I had a couple marketing guys at that time, and it was just blind reaching out. Or yeah. like my guy would go to, um, the NFL draft. We and actually went. We hung out with. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Krager. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 and he would, and he would literally. He's done that for yeah. like the last six years, yeah. and he literally has a photo of probably NFL every NFL athlete yeah. in the league today yeah. wearing Young and Reckless because yeah. he would just go there and walk around and shamelessly ask everyone to um, come to the suite and yeah. take a photo and whatever. But, but
2: yeah, it's amazing because I didn't. He didn't even strike me as like the individual who would who's like super outgoing yeah, or this or that. Not. But but he did say like. He would have these. We went to the. We like went and stopped by the room and for la, I think it was last year, the year before NBA draft. Yep. And there was kids there who we didn't know who they really were, and now they're stars in the NBA, yeah. and they're just like homies with them.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, fuck. How it's do we so do this? Nuts. Dude, like, it's hard. Yeah, and it's because he's been doing it for so long. And like at first he was, I mean, using him as an example. He came from hitting us up on Instagram, just being a really big fan of the brand and yeah. the show and the whatever, and just kind of like, how can I work? How can I work? And he actually dropped, his story was similar where he dropped out of uh, college, like, I think maybe a year early, not quite as gnarly as you, but, um, but he was just ready to work on anything and he loved sports. And so we said, why don't you do this? And we kind of taught him how to do it, but he was just aggressive and just did it. But yeah, that was a huge, it was a huge piece of our thing, but it is something, like I said, when I like still on the podcast, I don't have a booking person or anything like that. I'm just kind of blindly reaching out or asking people to connect me with their friends or whatever. And like I think that's a quality that's like so valuable. You just have to force yourself to go out on the limb and potentially look like an idiot. Yeah. But yeah, the the we try to keep the influencer thing up, but I just feel like the game has totally changed in that aspect. Yeah. Well now they have so
2: many brands throwing like money at them that they almost expect. Yeah. It's hard, man.
1: Honestly it's Let me ask you this. What would you say the uh, like, if the previous strategy was sort of blanket everyone with product and just have quantity, what do you guys think, like, the new strategy is for using influencers for a brand?
2: It's it's hard to say because I think it depends on what you're trying to get out of them. Mm-hmm. Like, for us, we tr- we typically have codes mm-hmm. that they post, right? And we want a return on investment. Yeah. So I think that there's, and if that's what you want, then it's very very hard to 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 find those people like it's a hit and miss you almost have to go after you know 10 of them and then hope two or three of them work Mm -hmm. and then
1: is it an engagement issue like their fan base being engaged you know what i think it is i
2: compare it to um like this is like the modern day display ad display ad being when you go on i don't know what's a site like yahoo or something and you see a bunch of display like flashy banner ads right yeah you're so used to seeing those yep. that half the time you don't even see them. Yep. And I think now on Instagram, you're so used to, if you scroll down your feed, I guarantee you three or four photos within the first ten are going to be ads. Yeah, right. And you're so used to seeing those now, and you know they're not authentic. You know they're ads that you don't interact with them as a consumer. And so I think it's a different day and age where, back in the day where we you know three years ago, two years ago when we used to pay someone or do whatever, it was very authentic and people would go and buy it and yeah, purchase and, yeah. or interact with it at the very least. And so I think it's a little more difficult now. So um, to be honest, yeah, we're, we're still like, we're constantly evaluating, trying to figure out like what the next best move is, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, it's crazy. It's just interesting how much it has changed. I, I feel like up until semi recently, I didn't acknowledge how much it has changed. Like, I just kind of was like, Oh, it's Instagram. It works yeah, how it works. Yeah. But like, it's just crazy. Cause you're right. Everything now is an ad. Everyone's paid all these Instagram celebrities. Now that everyone's an Instagram celebrity, yeah. right? Everyone has over 50,000 followers. Yeah. Um, what about, what would, what would you say if you're trying to build a brand? Like if you're a kid with no budget trying to build a brand, would you just send it to everybody like how we I think used to do? A, I think there's enough people. So product is still money.
2: It's still an expense, right? I think uh, you can still find people who have small accounts yeah. that will post and be like really love you for sending product, right? So if I was starting off a brand, I would go and find someone with you know, 15, 20, 30,000 followers that I can build a relationship with, right? Because if you go and give some product to someone huge that, it's like a shot in the dark, even if they wear it, you're probably never gonna talk to them. And the chances of you having a relationship is just slim to none. So I see some people who get, you know, a friend of mine has a small company and and gets product on some pretty gnarly people, but there's no relationship there. So it's like, cool if they wear it, but they didn't tag you and you're like, you know, it's just, it's it's not, there's not as much value there in my opinion, versus having someone who has 30,000 followers, who like, this person has influence and you can work with them, so. Um, that's probably the route that I would go but I don't know I also think that you may want to look in areas where people aren't looking everyone's looking on Instagram right now yeah. right? so there could be opportunity in Pinterest there could yeah. be opportunity maybe there's Snapchat influencers that I'm not even aware of right yeah. um, that's kind of what we did early on was we found value in areas that like no one was really on Instagram and we ran Instagram right yeah. so like and then everyone runs there and then it becomes you know uh, oversaturated and you kind of have to look in different areas so um, I know people who build businesses off of Twitter, so yeah. there's so many different ways to do it.
1: That's yeah, crazy. Um, was there ever like a big moment, the company's four years old or five? Four years old. Was there ever a big moment, so year one you do a million dollars, was it a pretty like active, steady growth? I mean I know you scaled really quickly, but um, was there, did you ever have a, a moment that was like this explosion moment? Yeah, really? I'd say
2: the second year was probably our explosion moment. Our first year we did one million in revenue. Yeah, and uh, our second year we did seven. So huge growth, right? Jesus. And what we started to do is look at ways to pay to acquire customers, mm-hmm. right? Whether it was Facebook, whether it was Twitter, Pinterest, influencer marketing. So we just started to even Google. We looked everywhere to to figure out like where could we put money. Yeah, and that was a big like aha moment right we were able to see it like data of how to spend and if this ad was doing well we'd spend more to it right yeah. started to think more of, of how to scale a business and you can't the, the the most scalable way is some of these paid acquisition strategies uh-huh. and there's there's you know dozens of them but being able to see results in, in a specific ad and then put money towards it yeah. is the best way to scale a business yeah. in my opinion
1: i love that game yeah just because like for us it's not uh, not nearly as big as your guys but like at least being able to for years we did marketing that's like oh we're going to do billboards around the city or we're going to do pop's at pac sun or we're going to do whatever and they're all great and they all feel really cool but there is no way to tell if anything matters at all yeah, right yeah. except for with this you can literally track everything and even though it might be sometimes bad news at least yeah, it's news. totally you know what I mean? yeah. at least you can stop i like that part i of also it,
2: think but. that we're building a brand by doing it you know i think the billboards and I, I mean, I would love to do stuff like that. It's just again, we right now
1: we're so uh, frugal in where we spend.. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you why I do billboards. I've never done a billboard because a billboard is good marketing. I've only done a billboard because being on social media saying you have billboards in Los Angeles is good marketing. Yeah, right. Totally. So it's like it's not even for the actual billboard. It's yeah. just enough in the right places to say for a kid in Minnesota to say, damn, they have billboards all over L.A. They yeah. probably have them in every major yeah. city. You know, yeah. when we did a campaign with Meek Mill, we put a bunch all over Philly. And we just wanted it to look like yeah. we probably have no, billboards everywhere.
2: That's interesting. It's so like think a, about that. You can just do one. Yeah. There's a
1: good one on uh, Fairfax and <laughs> yeah. Melrose. Yeah. And everyone thinks you're yeah. fucking killing. Yeah.
2: No, I love that. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's just validation, right? Yeah. Um,
1: no, I love that. And
2: I think for us, though, it's like, yeah, we have our imagery on social so on paid, any paid social channel whether it's twitter or whatever like we it's not like we're just doing like super salesy stuff it's yeah. it could be the guys traveling around the world it could be a guy and you know kind of dressed up in some you know sick outfit so yeah. it's not just um
1: yeah, it's not just straight up ads yeah, your, your so branding as exactly, you do it yeah i agree exactly. that's one thing i like about it too cuz you're at least like able to spend oh, i don't know how to explain it it's almost like if you could do one billboard with a photo shoot that you felt really good about and you're like this look makes our brand look dope and you could get an roi on that billboard and then do 10 and then get an roi it's like you're paying yourself to market yourself right exactly and that's one thing that i like about it as long as the ads that you like are winning and not the really really shitty ones. yeah because sometimes that happens happens and you're like damn it okay spend more um so year two you do seven mil and you're fucking pumped, right? Mm-hmm. Because all that, because the ad stuff starts working and everything just starts clicking. Is that kind of how it? Yeah, I mean, ads
2: started working. I think we we started to see that it scale. So we're like, all right, let's invest and hire people. Like, yeah. like we were also worried, like, is someone going to want to work for this $1 million company? Yeah. And we start to see it take off. So we start bringing on more people, full-time fashion, having people, telling people if they want to join, they have to move out here. So we started building a little squad yeah. and having people investing time in different areas. Like, and really, I think at the beginning it was we think we can make money if you focus on you know social. We think you can we can make money if you focus on like paid social. You focus on the website, like we'll focus on manufacturing and products and this and that, and yeah. like and just and even the the website and doing stuff like this was just able to, to help scale. So I wouldn't say it was one thing, but it was starting to invest yeah. in in scale yeah. in, in the ability to scale. Did you hire a lot of friends or no? It was pretty much all friends for the first like five people, I think. Um, What's
1: your theor- your thoughts on hiring friends?
0: Um, I don't know. Do you have a thought? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we did it in a somewhat of a strategic way. It wasn't just like, oh, we're gonna hire our best friend because yeah. best friend. I think, you know, we we knew our friends well enough to know that they can do the the tasks that is needed to be done. I think we were a young, scrappy millennial company, and I think it was somewhat easy to understand who that person was that could. You know, be in our shoes. You know, they weren't the type of person. I guess that was gonna start a company like we did, but they understand it. Yeah, um, and can kind of put out the content and, and handle the stuff that we needed to handle.
1: So we've never had any like big problems with that.
0: Luckily, no, no. I think we've, I mean, I think we've had two people leave in the yeah, past four yeah, years. Yeah.
1: yeah, I have mixed. Once again, that's another big thing that comes up. Another big question. I'm trying to, what I'm trying to also do better on the podcast is ask more of the questions that I get, um, to have the discussion with other young entrepreneurs about it but i have mixed feelings i think that there's a lot of huge benefits to like being around people you want to be around with and everyone with their goals aligned and everyone actually caring about seeing each other and not hating the person next to them at at when they go to work every day but um there's definitely the you know the issue like i've had jam ups of becoming really good friends with people and then them not performing well and having to have very serious conversations or fire them or yeah. whatever and then like it's then your friend isn't your friend anymore and then you know yeah. what I mean like it's just this weird thing so totally. I, think, I I have mixed reviews on yeah. that.
2: Yeah. I think we we like we, we we definitely hired some close friends. I think we didn't want to hire like all of our closest buddies yeah. because then that puts like the business at risk, that puts friendships at risk like yeah. you just don't want that. Um so we had a, a few close buddies, actually one of our uh roommates in college. He, he came and worked with us as well and he's working with us still and um, outside of that though it was more so looking at it was like friends of friends yeah so it wasn't people that we were directly like uh, connected to and then that's good i literally went on facebook and went back to my high school and elementary school days and and found like the one kid that i, I was like looking through trying to find could any of these people work for me that like w- i want to do this job yeah and then i found him and i was like okay I, he was always he always hustled yeah, right yeah, and we were yeah. friends but like not great friends and kind of were distant and then Reconnected and, and him and his buddy are crushing it for us. They're our directors of marketing
1: right now. So that's huge Yeah. Um, what's been like the biggest challenge Do you guys are one that comes to mind like this is kind of the single biggest challenge or Or has it just been a, a bunch of little ones? Um. Biggest challenge, I mean I'm trying to think that would be helpful for them or so yeah um, It seems to me like the, the sort of the reinvention of having to constantly figure out the new like that's what it seems like that's what we're witnessing and that's what it seems like you guys must have to deal with is like how okay Instagram's great now and then tomorrow it's or this type of ad works and tomorrow it doesn't or video's really big on Facebook now or yeah. this or that and like constantly evolving that content uh, is a huge challenge of ours yeah.
0: you know yeah would... but yeah
1: anything that you know, you think people would connect to?
0: I mean, I think I think we've been lucky enough, but I think a, a big reason for that is we've done a great job at networking and connecting and going to dinners, getting drinks, learning from people. Yeah. Where we've really been able to minimize our mistakes by talking with people that have done it before. Yeah. People that are you know own bigger companies, like helping us hire people. You know, so I think we've we've done a great job at meeting people and having friendships with people that. Has really helped us to help us grow. Yeah,
1: you guys are good at that. Yeah,
0: and just minimize the a lot of the risk and you know problems that we could have had for sure. Um, But any like big, I don't know. I mean, that's
1: good. I mean, you don't have to have one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) no.
0: I think I think
2: um, I mean one thing. Just like starting off is like understanding. We always had inventory issues with running out of stock and not having money, like the cash necessarily, just because it was tied up or. You know, we were waiting on inventory to come in, whatever it may be. So understanding that you do need cash to to grow a business, yeah. or just grow it slower, like which is a, a good issue to have, I guess. But for us, we were you know one to seven. Like there were times where we were out of stock for. Yeah. There's been there's been times in our business we've been out of stock of a SKU for like two months, right? Like, just really really bad customer experiences. Kind of good for us because it's means that there's demand. Yeah. But so I think that was an issue. I think also something that um we're, we're always trying to figure out is fortunately for our brands like we're all our our companies are the demo that we're selling to yep. primarily so and then being in la mm-hmm. is like we don't sometimes we don't realize it and i it's taken me a while to realize it we're in such a good spot for the free, the reason that we're in la and being able to be around the demo as a whole yeah. and being in such a you know aspirational place and then also be able to connect with other entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. other Marketing or you know operation, whatever it is, execs that that are in this town. Like, there's a lot of successful people in L.A. Yeah. So I mean, same with like New York, San Fran. There's other areas in the world that that have it as well. But L.A. is just a great hub, and people are always flying here. So I think for us, it's just making sure that um, that as we grow the brand, that we're still we're we're not losing sight of things, yeah. but. And it's not it's not a it's it's a challenge because you're always trying to like stay up similar to similar to Instagram how things are changing or yeah like what's working is it Snapchat now I think we just want to make sure that we always have a good finger on the pulse for like yep. what we're doing who we're hitting yeah uh, and not be naive to think that oh no we were do- we've been doing it we've been doing it for the last three years Like yeah. you stay complacent and that's how you know yep. you fall down so
1: yeah that's huge with the you know with the speed and the size of the success you guys have had I wouldn't. You know, if you just went and stopped giving a fuck what anyone thought, I wouldn't really be mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I would have done the same yeah, yeah. Um, thing. How long have you guys been around for? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Um, but you guys just did, I mean, you just did such a good job going fast and big and smart and, you know still safe and you know it doesn't feel crazy or reckless for lack of a better word yeah um, but you just scaled quick and you know it's cool yeah. like the way you did it is very yeah
2: I right? mean how have you seen like you've been around for eight years yep Styles changed yeah right? like oh yeah how do you stay up and you you went through probably when you guys launched it was Instagram even around by then no yeah so like you kind of you started with a brand like, Instagram's a good data point, too, now. Yeah. Like you can go on and, like, swipe all day and see what people are wearing. Or, like, go on Snapchat and see what people are wearing right now. Oh, it's huge. Right? Yeah. So how did you kind of stay up to speed of, like, what? Well,
1: here's what I'd say. That's a, that's a, like, a huge thing that I try to remind myself is when something changes, like, jump on it right away. Because, and, yeah, like like how we said how Facebook will test things, right? You do it in a safe way where if you're wrong and that thing isn't actually gonna work, then you still have like the rest of your company. But my point is, I now have seen things change so many different times and what I've noticed is a lot of the people that win are the people that were first and they were usually first because they didn't know any other way or have any other option. They came in under that Mm -hmm. platform, right? And so when you're a bigger company, what happens all the time, what's happening now to all the older companies is they're getting the shit kicked out of them by this whole new industry because all these people jumped on the internet and they were too slow to do it, right? Like mattress companies and all these different, yeah. you know, uh, retail as a whole. Um, so what I would say is, like, you have to be aware that things do change. The way you're doing it now is not the right way forever, Um and the moment you see something proven start to work, like you have to be really, really aggressive and act like it's the first day of your company all over again. Mm-hmm. It's just a pride issue and there's a like we've been doing it this way and we've been the whole model of my business changed. When I first started Young and Reckless, it was to give a streetwear type company to mall retailers because all the streetwear brands were too cool to sell to malls, right? So growing up in Ohio, you couldn't get Diamond or Crooks or any of these brands. So I'm going to create a brand that did similar marketing but didn't have the pride and would sell to every mall and I want to be massively distributed, yeah. right? Um, the problem is that's no longer a business model. That's just, that's gone. If somebody told you that tomorrow, you'd be like, um, H&M makes streetwear, what are you talking yeah, about, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so now it's to make affordable, on-trend, uh, good-looking clothes with a brand with a strong brand behind it, you know? And it's literally an entirely different business model or plan but that has slowly evolved as things change you have to continue to be clear on what it is you're even doing what gap you're filling you know like the gap for you guys you saw the gap and you took huge advantage of it it could change in five years yeah and your whole plan you know your explanation of what the business is would change with Mm -hmm. it but you just got to be aggressive like you can't it's so easy to have success and just be sort of complacent, and mm-hmm. be like, oh, Instagram's blowing up, that's cute, mm-hmm. you know, and like, so little did you do you jump know. On these?
2: Did you personally jump on these things, or did you kinda like test the water, and then realize, okay, this is working
1: before? Yeah, I think that early, um, Sorry, I'm more asking for No, else. no, I like it, no, I like <laughs> it, this is good. Um, yeah. I think that early I was probably a little slower, probably, you know, feeling ourselves a little bit, and felt like I didn't have to. Also, I've always had a, a decent-sized following. So you get this extra sense of like, well, I can do what I want on my own time. I don't need to be first on this thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say that I learned that lesson uh, years ago. And I, and ever since then, we've been very aggressive with trying everything right away. Um, but also one cool thing is I've always had that leverage of a fan base. And that's why I would say another big lesson is build a fan base that actually follows your brand and likes your brand because even if you are a little late, they'll still go with you. Hmm. Right. But if you're just trying to go and try to be the king of every new platform, you're gonna lose. Yeah. So for me, if I was late to Snapchat, but I but I but I made it six months late, it wouldn't be a death sentence because we had a following, I had a following and we could build it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we've always been I've never taken ourselves too serious or been too cool for i'm trying to figure out how to do vlogs now Mm -hmm. and i think it's miserable and i think that pointing a camera at your face and like hey guys what's up it's me (laughs) like it's stupid but to be honest the more that i do it and see what my voice is with inside of a vlog the more it makes sense and i and i get it and i understand why people would want to watch would want to watch it but for me it's how do i create value and how do i actually give tips or give lessons without sounding preachy or sounding like a know it all. Yeah. Because I'm okay with saying that. I'm okay with like with saying that that's why I do a vlog. If I do a vlog because I think so many people care about me pointing a camera at myself all day, I would I would start to question who I was. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But it's just about, you know, if it's working, you can't be too cool to to give it a shot. You know, but the clearer that you are on your brand's message and the bigger following that your brand actually has, the better off you are because then when a new thing comes out, you know exactly what your voice is with inside of it and you know that you're, you're, you have a fan base that'll follow you there. Totally, you know? that makes sense. Yeah, awesome. what's next? You guys are doing sunglasses now?
2: Sunglasses, um, so we're building up, we, we started as a, you know, primarily a men's brand. Mm-hmm. So we've been building our women's brand uh, we're coming out with some more women's watches. How was that like initially received? Well, um, or tough. I think it was better than it was. It was better than maybe we had hoped, but it, it there's been struggles because it was a lot of guys trying to figure out what girls wanted, and yeah, that's always tough. Yeah,
1: um, like gifts. Is just, that what you're saying? Oh, you mean like
2: the company? Uh, just designs, yeah. Got it. I thought you meant the buyers. Uh, the customer yeah the customer we didn't it was just hard so yep. but we've done we've done well i mean we have a good structure in place of we can hit the, we can hit you know women with women ads and or, or influencers and like kind of kind of try and spark the the product but i think as we've been uh been doing it for a little bit more now we're starting to come out with some really cool stuff that yeah. uh that look some of the women in our office are more heavily involved with, yeah so yeah um and then we're also doing we're so more sunglasses um just building like moving started as a watch brand yeah and we're fastly growing to be a lifestyle mm-hmm. brand right like we don't want to just be watches it's it's more than that so um yeah we're doing another uh category and uh a new product category in a couple months so
1: yeah keep it on the hush hush for that's now cool. that's yeah what about um Longer term for both of you guys, I mean you're natural sort of entrepreneurs and obviously you have such a passion for just building a business in general. Like do you see building movement for years and years and years or do you see building other businesses or like what do you see for yourselves or is it just kinda see what happens and go from there? Yeah I mean for me, it's been fun,
2: it's been stressful but to get to where we're at now and to still get to a point where like we see so much opportunity i think by growing the business that we've grown to date and being bootstrapped and really yeah. frugal and and being in la and, and, and the relationships we've made we're in such a prime spot to continue to grow this brand exactly. to, to like where we want it to be and we want this to be a billion dollar global lifestyle brand yeah. uh and so that's what we have our our you know eyes set on um yeah so i think and and it's fun i mean we work with a lot of fun people a lot of you know smart successful people we get to do stuff like this i mean um you know maybe i'll take a a couple more vacations here and there but like because it's been hustle 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 like fight to survive but um i don't know i really enjoy what we're doing and i enjoy the team that we we work with and until that changes which i don't think it's going to just keep going
0: yeah i mean i think being an entrepreneur at heart and always kind of looking for opportunity i think jake and i both see so much opportunity for movement yeah. in the next x amount of years that our time is, and and power is best spent trying to grow movement and not trying to grow something else yeah. um just because we're kind of you know we feel like we're on to something so it's yeah, fun i, I mean it's, you wake up every day excited to to continue to build and you know it's, it's exciting and yeah. stressful at the same time yeah but, you know it's all gonna hopefully pay off one day and that's you guys
1: have still done this all you haven't taken investment no investment that's, no investment, that's so yeah. crazy
0: I think
2: also, like, there's a paradigm shift right now with bigger brands mm-hmm. that, are, that are grown and built through wholesale channels yep. who don't jump on. Like, okay, we got to do it direct yeah. to consumer or social media. And even though a lot of these guys are still, they have the wholesale or they have the retail stores, maybe, or the wholesale relationship globally. Yep. So they're still doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. I think that we're structured uh, and in a place to disrupt that. Yep. And, um, I mean, we're four years old. We'll do $80 million this year in revenue. It's insane. Uh, I think there's a lot still left to be done. And for four years in, in a limited team, like, I think we're doing a pretty
1: good job. And, yeah. Uh, I also believe, like, part of it is like a waiting game. It's what you're saying, but it's like a waiting game of like, that's, there's so many of those, those old businesses eating up hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. that are going to crumble. Totally. Right. They're not going to do. What you guys are doing they're not going to adapt they're not going to it's like you just have to wait which yeah. i don't like that answer yeah no you know?
2: it's it's what's because they have like you know they have so much money in the bank or but i think i just see what other big brands are investing in yeah and I go that's a that's a really i would not if i had that money i would not invest there yeah so like to see that happen over and over and over again i feel pretty good about it because I feel like we still have an edge and and i try and hear what they're why they're doing it but i feel like they're just trying to spend to get out of this grave and it's shocking
1: how many people just don't know what they're doing yeah yeah
2: it's just different industries and it's like yeah they're just being um you know uh not outsmarted it's just a different it's just a different world now with retail and and uh social media and yeah again being the demo in la having the relationships we all have here like it's so pivotal to to you know the success that we've already had and what's going to come so
1: yeah and i think that like it's all such just this old it's this crazy crazy old mentality and it's almost like the more that things change the more that people don't want to believe that they're actually changing right and so like the more you kind of hold tight to the wrong belief system totally because they're changing even quicker and quicker and quicker and you're like no it's going to come back because that's the only answer the answer can't be we've been wrong all these years it has to be it's going to come back at some point which is the exact worst thing that you could possibly do and I think that there's so the the transition is going to take it's happening faster and faster every day it's not slowing down it's not anything and I think that because of that fact we're in this limbo period of the world or old money or old retail or old whatever accepting that it has changed. So you guys are the pioneers and brands like you and 5.4 and those guys are the pioneers of sort of this new way that business is going to work or what's going to take the place of retail. And everyone, all the older guys are holding on to the exactly. what they want. And I think once once that shifts, it's going to be a really brutal shift and a really ugly shift. But I think that once it does shift, That's when it's going to be a whole different ballgame for people like you. Totally. You know, for those billion-dollar... Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because people are just holding on to it. They don't want to...
2: And I think, like, to your point, it's time, man. Like, it just... Unfortunately, like, sometimes it just takes, you know, it takes a few years of just really poor performance or losing money for some of these people to either... I mean, some of the execs will jump ship, or some of the people, uh, or just even retail as a whole is, like, you know, like it's tough right now so and i think as we get bigger brands like us get bigger and we're doing more creative stuff and connecting with more people like we're just going to continue to take away business from the guys
1: could you ever see doing a movement store
2: yeah potentially one day Mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean i think it's if done right it can be it could be done well um but yeah we would have to we would have to really put some thought into it because we don't want to just half-ass it
1: yeah um have you guys done a store no, we've just done like pop-ups in a showroom, but yeah. I do think 100% there's like a place for it done the right way. Totally. Like if I could do anything, I would probably put some sort of crazy, cool, experiential store at like The Grove and in Orlando, Florida. And like in these, in Vegas, yeah. uh, like where there's travel destinations, where it's families, it's our demographic, and it feels really, really to even go in there yeah i just don't even know what that would be yeah. or you know and like how could you do it where you maybe don't sell any clothes yeah. and still it's worth it or you sell you know next to nothing i don't know yeah. but i think that's the do treating them like pop-ups or treating them like showrooms i think would be the only thing that makes sense to me no absolutely yeah i can't imagine ever like a reach a big retail strategy yeah no even though real estate will probably be real cheap so. yeah hey. This is my under question. If you could, I mean, you guys have, maybe you haven't had the business that long, but you've grown it an insane amount and you've been through a lot on the way to do that and you've obviously been through a lot in your own little, like, starting the smaller companies and your journeys. If you could go back to the younger version of yourselves, let's say 15, high school, before you even took your first shots at being entrepreneurs or before any of that, And sort of tell, especially you guys, the reason why I like it so much is because you had these like hungry brains, you know, like ready to get into the game. Um, I guess each of you, what would you tell that younger version of yourself to like sort of get a head start? That's hard. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think for me, I think kind of like you said, like we kind of, we did it, but I think. Always be super curious. Always be kind of obser- observing what's going on. I think I was thinking about it on the way over here. Like, I've always loved cars, and I always love going to car shows. Yeah. You know, I'd see like my dream cars there, and but what I liked more than just seeing the cars was like I was always so curious on who the person was that owned it yeah. and how they were able to afford it. Yeah. And like I, I would I would literally go up to people and start talking to them, and I just as just always trying to learn and observe and just understand how people. That were successful, how they got to be successful, yeah, um, and just keep, you know, seeing the seeing different opportunities, um, and just continue to network. You know, like Jake said earlier, try to try to get a phone call or a coffee with someone that is in a position where you would like to be one day.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I think from I think for me, I you know, I I think I'm fortunate to be in a position where. A lot of it worked out and like uh, I'm really happy with taking the risk on so many different, you know companies and Dropping out when I did so like I feel like I did good in that sense if I could go back to high school though You know, I I think I would just want to I would want to network more because I really didn't do that when I was that young I was so scared of just Someone telling me just like laughing at me or like not thinking like just not taking me seriously. Yeah Um. So just networking more um I also think, and networking with people who have done relatively, like uh, uh, again, a direction that I want to grow in. Yeah. I also think that anything from like some of these math classes, or like, I don't know, if there was accounting classes in high school, but just relatively like basic fundamental skills that I maybe kind of even cheated in sometimes, or mm-hmm. didn't take seriously. I wish I would have taken a little bit more seriously, just yeah. because I think c- certain skill sets, like no matter what you do, even if you yeah even if you win the lottery and just want to like control your own life like you're still going to need to know these certain skill sets better and um so i don't know i think i think i could have self-educated myself more um so i was doing like video editing and photoshop on my own just to kind of play around with yeah which in result helped me launch businesses because i didn't have to pay someone to do graphic design and stuff yeah so that was cool but it would have been cool to like understand how to do a little bit more on the counting side or just understand math a little bit better yeah. um, because I think that's that, that goes across multiple, your personal, your business life, yeah. and various others.
1: So. I agree. Um, what about, tell everyone where to go, the social media, the site, the any plugs or drops or any of that? Yeah, type? mvmt.com or
2: just at mvmt. You can find Easy. us on Twitter, Instagram,
1: YouTube. Love it. Um. All right, man. We fucking did it. Thank you guys for making it happen. Yeah, absolutely, dude. That was great. I love this one. This is gonna be a really good one. We're up tomorrow. Sweet. That's fast. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Later. All right, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it. Those two guys are very, uh, just young, smart, ambitious, good dudes. Good to have that conversation. Got me motivated. Um, I hope you guys took some gems from it. They're just the epitome of sort of what's possible in today's day and age of social media and being able to do your own sourcing and create an e-commerce website i mean these are two 26 year old guys who alone um, without any investors have created an 80 million dollar business pretty cool um, please go to the itunes store go to the podcast app on your phone and leave me some positive feedback let me know what you like you don't like you'd like to hear more of or who'd you like to hear on short story long Go to youngandreckless.com, use the promo code SSL to get 40% off all full-priced items. And check out my new YouTube page. That's where I'm posting all the videos from the podcast, all the little clips, and some of my new vlogs. Check it out, let me know what you think. It is youtube.com slash drama drama. Thank you guys so much. Please continue to uh, keep subscribing, sharing, telling people about this thing. Um, I really appreciate it. I'll be back next week.